on the Hearts Report. We'll be telling you uh, about the Spike and Mike Animation Festival. We've got the British Columbians uh, coming into our studio and even playing us a lovely song. We'll also have a feature uh, of another show in the Vancouver International Dance Festival and much more. So stay with us. Welcome to the Arts Report for uh, March the 9th, 2011. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and you're listening to us on CITR 101.9 FM or on streaming streaming services provided on our website, citr.ca, or uh, the podcast, which goes up on iTunes uh, every Wednesday just after our show is done. We're available there as well. Uh, on today's show, we have more Vancouver International Dance Festival Festival coverage. The festival is in its um, full bloom right now and will be going on for another week or so. Uh, on today's show, we'll tell you about T42, which is a sort of uh, multicultural uh, collaboration between uh, a Japanese dancer and a Swiss French. Uh, dancer, and they kind of turned on each other, not in the sense that they beat each other up, but in the sense that uh, they looked inward at their own process and their own kind of struggles to uh, communicate cross-culturally, being, you know, Swiss and Japanese, and trying to sort of um, deal with their differences when it comes to making dance. They they looked inward at that and turned it into a dance piece, so that'll be cool. And then the British Columbians are playing a show this Friday at the Cobalt, and they came into our studios last night and we recorded an interview as as well as a lovely acoustic performance. So we'll get to hear that. That's going to be great. Uh, Muncha Mia, a sort of Mamma Mia uh, version of uh, Robert Munch's uh, stories, is coming to the Carousel, or is already at the Carousel Theatre playing now, um, a show for kids and adults alike. So we'll get the scoop on that. And... Um and, uh, oh yes, and Spike and Mike um, Sick and Twisted Animation Festival is coming to the Rio Theatre and will feature a, a huge cornucopia of uh, crazy animation. Um, yeah, I can't even begin to describe the wild um, variety that will be seen, but we'll talk to Spike himself from Spike and Mike and get a uh, preview of um, of that, but but first we want to tell you about um, the story of my life. The story of my life is by Best Friends Theater, and it's a musical about two childhood friends and how their friendship profoundly defined their lives. Actor Stephen Aberly plays Thomas Weaver, a best-selling, award-winning author who has to deliver a eulogy for his best friend of 40 years, Alvin. Uh, I spoke to Stephen about the strong emotions brought to the service while making this show and its theme of friendship. But first, um, but first I had to ask him about uh, their how their previous show, uh, the previous show that Best Friends Theatre did, uh, that was called The Thing About Men. And now this one um, explores, quote-unquote, explores the boundaries of male bonding. So with all that, um, is there a theme developing for, uh, for Best Friends Theatre? Let's find it's out. It's a theme, it's a, it's a coincidence, although we are certainly interested in shows that are, um, that have something interesting happening below the surface. Um, but this show in particular um, goes pretty deeply into um, into some 
exciting and, and interesting areas in the human psyche, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think that, uh, that we're particularly fixated on um, uh, relationships between men or male bonding. Okay. Um, the, uh, the last show, the thing about men was um, uh, much more of a uh, comedic vehicle. It's about a love triangle with a woman and two men and and this one is just about two guys and mm-hmm. about the relationship that they've had since they were six since grade one mm-hmm. and uh and give us a, a quick rundown of, of what what happens in the play well at the top of the show the character i play thomas is trying to um prepare a eulogy for his friend alvin who has uh, has recently died mm-hmm. um and he's having trouble through the course of the play, we flash back into Thomas and Alvin's uh, memories, or time, yes, Thomas's memories, assisted by um, Alvin, um, and and uh, we kind of figure out why it is why it might be that <laughs> that Thomas is having a hard time mm-hmm. writing the eulogy. There uh, there are a lot of things in the relationship that were very strong and that uh, that went well, and then there were some challenges and there were some places where. As, as Thomas says, it splintered and cracked, mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out um, what it is that what it is that happened all those years ago, or or perhaps not all those years ago. Maybe something happened very recently, and um, we discover that, uh, that there are reasons why he might be blocking out some of the more painful um, painful things that uh, that have happened between him and and Alvin. Mm. Now, so this is a two-person show, and and it's a musical. Uh, what's what's been the the biggest uh, challenge about this show? Uh, two-person show is true in terms of the performers that uh, that you see on stage singing and acting. Mm-hmm. There's also a musical ensemble of three uh, instruments: piano, cello, and um, and reeds, uh, which makes a beautiful combination. Um, it's it's tough to. Uh, to be singing and performing with just two people uh, on the stage for uh, for 90 minutes. Um, in a lot of shows, you know, you might not be on stage all the time. You can go back into the dressing room and uh, sit around and whatever. <laughs> uh, take a load off your feet and relax a bit. We are on stage from the beginning right through to the end. And uh, the amount of psychic energy that that you have to pour into being there uh, for yourself and for your for your partner on stage is immense. It's uh, um, it's it's quite surprising actually. You wouldn't think that it would take that that kind of uh, focus and and effort, but it really does. At the end of the day, at the end of the performance, we're both um, we feel like we've been working out. It's uh, <laughs> like you've just come out of the gym. Yeah, really. Um, I, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I was expecting to to have a lot of. Um, uh, of, of mental um, effort expended, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect my body to be weary. But mm-hmm. uh, boy, it is. It's uh, and, and and it's just because your everything in you, every fiber in you, is focused on uh, on delivering this this piece. It's also a very very exciting, demanding piece for a performer emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not expected it to to have the kind of uh, emotional. Um, Oh, what uh, the, the compelling, the compelling uh, emotional qualities that right. it has. Uh, when we first started, wor- the very first day we started working on it, I was uh, uh, learning the music with our musical director, Wendy Bra Stewart, 
and I'm singing these songs and tears are coming to my eyes. It's like, whoa, mm. where did that come from? You know, usually you work for that kind of stuff. With mm -hmm. this show, it's, it's woven deeply into the fabric of the play. The people who, um, who made this play have done a fabulous job. Well, thanks so much for telling us about it. Thank you so much, Adam. It's great to talk with you. And that's Stephen Aberley talking about the story of my life, which is taking place right now at uh, the review stage on Granville Island and will be running until March the 19th. And you can get more information and tickets um, from our website, citr.ca, and you can find all the appropriate links to um, for showtimes, uh, prices, which are, by the way, $30.00. And, uh, and all the different dates and, and tickets. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll tell you about Robert Munch and ABBA and how they've come together. So stay with us. Yes? Hi, I'm Penny Clark, president of the CITR Student Executive. Between March 7th and 11th, the UBC's Alma Mater Society will be holding a referendum. By voting yes, you will be supporting the continuation of the U-Pass and a new free structure to improve AMS student services. This new fee structure includes a $1 increase for CITR and will protect our current funding in the future. With the additional dollar, we will launch a DJ training program, beat matching and spinning, and offer free DJs for your student events. CITR is committed to serving students and staying tuned to student needs. Between March 7th and 11th, vote yes in the AMS referendum. And we're back on the art support. What was that strange sound? I don't know. Um, okay, let me tell you about Manchamia. Uh, Robert Munch uh, classic stories are woven together into a musical for kids and adults alike. It's Munch and Mia and playing now at the Carousel Theatre on Granville Island. As you might guess, that title is a tongue-in-cheek reference to the ABBA musical Mamma Mia. I spoke to actor Laura Jay, who plays Lotta, about the unique challenge for an actor playing to a boisterous audience of children who will yell whatever they want at you at any moment. And I asked her how much... Beyond the title, does Manchamia emulate the ABBA musical? The extent that it is uh, related to ABBA is, is really, if, if you listen closely to the opening song of our show, mm -hmm. you may hear uh, elements of Dancing Queen, and then at one point, because my character's last name is Muncha, and the other girl is named Mia. Right. We start shouting, Muncha Mia, Muncha Mia, and then he goes, here we go again. <laughs> but apart from us taking the Mama Mia Abba song and uh, writing our own lyrics to that tune, uh, the, Abba, the Abba references really are more in the costumes. There, are, there is music in the show. Mm -hmm. and there is singing, but it, it's actually more uh, nursery rhymes and related to the Robert Munch stories. Yeah, uh, and, tell me, and tell me about yeah. those. What stories are included? Uh, we have Stephanie's Ponytail is the first story, and then Down the Drain, Aaron's Hair, Jonathan Cleaned Up, and Then He Heard a Sound, or Blackberry Subway Jam, long title. <laughs> and <laughs> yep. Then we finish with the Sandcastle Contest. So it's those five stories. And then we, there's definitely music and songs within each of the stories. 
and then there's sort of our Abbott tribute, our Abbott tribute at the end mm-hmm. and at the beginning that starts the show and ends the show. And I have an amazing pink wig that definitely sells the ABBA uh, look. Right. Uh, I think I'm the brunette from the ABBA combo, and <laughs> my friend Samantha is definitely the blonde ABBA woman. And speaking of hair, um, yes. <laughs> for a lot of the show, you don't have any. No. <laughs> Tell us about no, uh, if, if anybody who's familiar with Stephanie's ponytail knows in the story, Stephanie tricks everybody in the book into shaving their head. Mm-hmm. And in our particular version of it, she tricks me into shaving my head. And our lovely and brilliant customer, Christopher Gautier, has given me an, one of those old-fashioned bathing caps mm-hmm. with uh, ears cut out that I can slip on very quickly uh, for a quick change. And then I have fantastic wigs for the rest of the show. <laughs> nice. I see. You, you really, that, that's a big uh, highlight for you as, as an actor, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I can tell. It is. Being, being bald on stage. <laughs> it, it, uh, for the adults who've come up, uh, I, I give Sinead O'Connor a run for her money. <laughs> nice. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, this is sort of um, uh, a reprise of sorts because uh, you, you've worked on Munch Alley. And um, so yes. uh, being a Munch expert, I just wonder <laughs> what... Uh, what do you think is, is so enduring or, or so uh, valuable about his work? Well, I, you know, his, he, he has so many stories he's written, Robert Munch. Uh, there are about uh, six or seven different collections of, of his uh, works put into plays right now. And we've done, uh, our cast of three, Sam, Ben, and I, have, have done Munch Alley and now this one. Uh, it's just the stories are very universal. They really speak to kids of that uh, early age group. Um, lots of uh, learning lessons about rivalry and friendship. Uh, I mean, this whole show is, is basically about the rivalry. This show is about the rivalry between my character, Lada, and my friend Sam's character, Mia, and, and how we learn to work together. And I think all of his stories have certain elements that not only the parents can recognize, so it's that the parents enjoy watching the show, but then the kids go, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, although I hope none of them have tricked their friends into shaving into their shaving. heads. Yeah, yeah, that would that, be a bit much. Don't do that at home, kids. That's, <laughs> don't do that <laughs> that, that's my one lesson to take away. Don't trick your friends into shaving their heads. Now, speaking of speaking of younger audiences, uh, I just wonder what's um, now that you're in performance. What? Uh, how are how are kids different as a as a block as an audience group uh, versus versus adults? And how does that? Um, They're not shy. Yeah? <laughs> they are not shy about talking back. Uh, <laughs> we we come out to the audience and say things like hey, wouldn't you like to try that? And you'll hear some kid go, no, <laughs> I don't want to. You look funny. So they, they, they're encouraged to speak up. It's um, theater for young audiences encourages more interaction with the audience so that you don't just have to sit there and be quiet. And then the children also, I, I just find that they are much, they laugh read, more readily, they applaud, mm-hmm. they... You know, when you say, give out a shout, you know, like you get a whole crowd of kids screaming, going, yay, mm-hmm. this is fun. <laughs> and, and then they say hilarious things like, I love being the audience, <laughs> which is my favorite quote so far. Right. You don't get that at the Playhouse. No, not at all. <laughs> no, no. You, you, you don't usually hear people walking and going, I love the audience. 
<laughs> well, maybe you do, but it means something different when they say it. <laughs> right. So, so I guess it, it it means that you have to be much more on your toes, perhaps, than with our audiences. Yeah, you have to roll with the punches, yeah. and um, because you encourage it, and some, in, in, and then you have to. Uh, Definitely, you can't ignore it. Uh, we, at one point, jumped down off the stage and run out into the audience to go, come on, high five. And there's always that one kid who goes, no way, <laughs> crosses their arms. And you're like, thank you, clap your hands then. Nice. <laughs> you just, you, just uh, you think of something else. Um, we encourage them to get up and like stand up and dance at the end mm-hmm. and clap their hands. And, and so I just think it... And in, it makes them realize that they can appreciate theater from many different ways. And we always have talkbacks after the school shows. And then they get to sort of see the the behind-the-scenes magic as well. And that's Laura J. talking about Mancha Mia, which is playing until March the 27th at Carousel Theatre. Tickets range from $24 to $96, depending on age. And tickets can be uh, purchased online at tickets.carouseltheatre.ca. That's tickets.carouseltheatre.ca, or from our website, citr.ca. You can get information on uh, this story and all the other stories we have on today's uh, show. Um, I just think it would be awesome if audiences at the Playhouse or the Arts, Cl- Arts Club were as vocal as with children. So as you're watching, you know, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? You're like, I don't like her. She's stupid. <laughs> no, on second thought, that would be awful. That would be awful. But at least you'd know where people stand. Sometimes you see shows and everybody's all polite and friendly and and then they, you know, as soon as they're uh, outside and around the corner, they're like, that, that, that was the worst play I've ever seen. Can you believe that? But anyway, so at least you'd know where you'd stand. But, um, but yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a, uh, a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to tell you about how McLean's article, Too Asian, um, inspired uh, art. So stay with us. Are you interested in radio but not quite sure how to get involved? CITR is the place for you. We are a volunteer-driven campus and community radio station with a variety of volunteer opportunities. Want to become an on-air programmer? Learn about promotions? Maybe become a news or arts reporter? Come learn about all the ways you can become involved at CITR. Volunteer orientations are held on the first Monday of every month at 6.30 p.m. If the first Monday falls on a statutory holiday, the orientation moves to the second Monday. Visit citr.ca for more information. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and online at citr.ca. Last week, I I had a bit of a a rant about the uh, Academy Awards, which have now been pretty universally panned as being a pretty horrendous show. But it's funny because over the week, as I I, met people on my day-to-day journeys... Um, asking them, hey, did you, did you watch the Oscars? What, what did you think? A lot of people came back with, meh, meh, Oscars, Oscars, schmoskers, who cares? And um, which is interesting, which is interesting. And, and, and in my opinion, you see that, you see that expressed in, in, in which films won. Um, you know, you see a kind of, a kind of uh, middle-of-the-road um, political correctness 
in the Oscars by their choices. But um, I've, I've received some, some, some great uh, feedback from last week's show when I was sort of dumping on the King's speech and how it didn't uh, deserve to win the Oscar. And, uh, and I got some good feedback about uh, you know, people saying, well, actually, sir, uh, the King's speech was excellent. So shove it. No, not in those words. But, um, but yeah, it was, a, it was good to hear a sort of ca- counter argument because Black Swan was my favorite and thought it was very ambitious. But, um, but other people were not, uh, were not as enamored with, its, um, with that one and, and um, you know, told me how uh, the King's speech was um, just solidly made. And, that's, and I guess that's, there, there's something to be said for that because certainly a lot of movies these days are not solidly made, <laughs> as simple as, you, uh, as it should be. To, to just not screw up. Um, a lot of films often do. What did I see the other day? Hereafter with Matt Damon. Oh my God, what a stinker. Um, there was it, was, it was just slow. There was nothing happening in that film. And it, like you have Matt Damon and Clint Eastwood and all these big names who really should have looked at the script and gone, well, there's nothing here. But instead thought, oh, well, this is a great thing to make. Um, this will make millions. And um, I don't think it did. But anyway, uh, let's move on from from Oscar talk to um, art talk. McLean's magazine caused caused quite a stir a few months back with an article called Too Asian, with a question mark, Too Asian? Asking whether uh, the Canadian university campuses are negatively impacted by the large population and the culture of Asian students. Professor Gu Shang at the Department of Art History, Visual Art and Theory at UBC certainly noticed the article, as did his students. And now they've put together an art show at the Asian Library at UBC featuring paintings, writings, photos, audio and video, all exploring the concept of Asianness. It's called Identiverse, and Professor Gu and three of his students came to Studio B here at CITR to tell us more about it. Okay, so I'm here with the group from the Identiverse exhibition. Hello to you all. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hello. Tell us your names. My name is Gu Xiong. My name is Diamond. My name is Cliff. My name is Jimmy. All right, let's, let's talk about this show. Where did the, uh, the inspiration uh, come from it? Well, uh, I'm a professor who teaches uh, theory class and the painting class, so... This was from the Asian Library. They contacted with me, wanted to do a showcase related to the McLean's article, Two Asian mm-hmm. articles. Then I come up with uh, the idea for an exhibition to go with their showcase. But that, that wa- was a start point with, uh, with, uh, with the article, right? But for our exhibition, right. we are focused on the university environment, focused on individual students who are, you know, who they are and what they are able to do. Right. So you don't mean this as a, as a response to the article or a critique of it. It's, it's just, like you say, a starting point. Yeah, a start point. It's no, nothing with that. Right. Uh, we, because we want to uh, explore mm. the issues, whatever, you know. Uh, after those discussions about that article turned into our way. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe, Damon, you can say something? Please. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so the, the show, we, uh, we titled it Identiverse because we wanted to make it um, a response 
to the article in that we break down stereotypes so that there's no longer stereotypical ethnicities uh, that you know we, we point our fingers to, but there is uh, our individuals who ide- we identify our, uh, ourselves with our friends, you know the, yeah. the traits that make us beautiful. And then we, we really focus on the uh, individual qualities and then the diversities that's within, uh, I guess, our, our environment, our university uh, communities. So that that's why it's called identiverse. So there's uh, there's connotations of uh, identity, university, and diversity mm. uh, within this entire word that we made up. And and so is that. I'm just thinking, how do you do that um, through the art? Because obviously, the art has to speak for itself. You can't uh, you can't have people standing beside it explaining it to you <laughs> as a as a viewer. So, is it the fact that it's each student's work? Uh, and that work speaks to that that individual artist's uh, individuality and and opinions and, Def- and ideas. definitely yes yeah. everyone speaks out in their own way i think that um because of the, the the different mediums involved in contemporary art uh we're able to express uh who we are as students um more more vocally and more uh, more literally uh to an audience who's viewing our artwork because of the, the audience can immediately see by what we do and the different ways we approach uh, creating artwork. Uh, they can see a certain individuality within all of us, so it's definitely through the artwork that they do see uh, a certain level of individuality, even though uh, perhaps uh, McLean's or uh, other uh, articles would group us into particular stereotypes. We're definitely all quite, quite individualistic. Would you say that, um, that just by doing an art show, you, you, you're challenging uh, some of the stereotypes presented in the, in the article? I definitely don't want to say that we're challenging the, the stereotypes uh, identified in the article. Uh, but I do want to say that we, uh, we want to represent uh, our, our student, student body as... Uh, completely multicultural and uh, quite uh, open to everybody's individuality instead of being all these different stereotypes kind of clumped into one. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us what kind of art, what kind of of media will be be on display? Uh, There will be a mixture of all different mediums, mostly focused uh, on painting, Mm -hmm. uh, some sculptural 3D forms, and uh, Installations, and uh, are any of your work uh, works presented? All of ours, actually. Yeah. Yes, uh, except to me. Except <laughs> for <laughs> And can you tell us about uh, maybe one one piece? Uh, sure. Uh, as far as uh, my particular uh, uh, piece goes, it's uh, it's going to be a painting. It's going to be a series of three paintings that's actually going to talk about uh, identity in the sense of the experiences that everybody would have growing up or you know just experience while they're while they're alive basically uh, one of the paintings is going to feature uh, uh, somebody taking a breath underwater uh, the idea is that moment of pause before you take a breath that moment of pause creates a certain identity because it creates uh, a self-reflected image to yourself you contemplate yourself and it, it my paintings at least will be uh, directed towards this self-contemplation and self, uh, self-image. And that's Professor Gu and team from the Identiverse exhibition. 
And uh, let me give you some dates and information for this. The opening reception will be on Sunday, March 13th from 4 until 8 p.m. And then the exhibition goes from the 14th until the 18th. And from the 14th to the 17th, it's open from noon till 5 p.m. And then on the last day, the 18th, it's open from 11 a.m. until 3 p.m. And this is all happening at the Asian Library, which is located on the West Mall um, of the UBC campus. You can get more information on this by checking out our website, CITR.ca, uh, or you can go to blogs ubc.ca slash Asian Library and uh, you'll get all the relevant information on uh, this show. That's the Asian Library blog and they've got lots of cool stuff uh, other than uh, the show information that you can check out. So that's blogs.ubc.ca slash Asian Library for uh, that. Um, shall we take a break? Can we take a break? I think we can. Okay, we're going to take a little break, and when we return, we'll tell you about a Japanese-Swiss dance collaboration that's coming to the Vancouver International Dance uh, Festival uh, next week, uh, later also in the show. Stay with us, because we're going to have the British Columbians. They're playing a show at the Cobalt on Friday, and they were kind enough, kind enough to uh, to donate a performance to to sing a song and strum their guitars for our lovely audience. So that's coming up, and um, and then later in the show we'll tell you about the Spike and Mike Animation Festival. So still lots to cover. So stay with us. At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. Oh, oh, excuse me. I got really caught up in singing uh, along there. Uh, we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 11.9 FM. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and I want to tell you about some interviews that we're going to have for you next week. Uh, there's a book coming out just in time for St. Patrick's Day, um, which is March 17th. And uh, this book is called Pilgrimage with the Leprechauns, a true story of a tour of Ireland. And um, I interviewed uh, the author, Tannis Halliwell, and we'll have that interview next week of how she traveled to Ireland and met uh, leprechauns and uh, what they had to teach her. So that's going to be an awesome interview, and I hope you can uh, check it out next Wednesday. Also, there's a really cool um, expo of, um, of video, a video as in like projection video, coming to W2. On March 18th, it's called Drop In, Drop Out, Canada's Largest Video Expo. And uh, we're working on a story about that, so that's exciting. There's also a Sonic Boom Festival, a four-day celebration of music by BC composers. That's coming at you, it's coming at you, watch out, uh, from March 24th until the 27th. And that's going to be at the Western Front. So we've got an interview. We actually got uh, two interviews uh, spread over the next couple of shows. And um, one of those interviews is with a professor from UVic who talks about uh, musician robots. Yes, 
So we'll figure out what he means by that. Whether because when I hear that, I think of uh, um, like the skeleton from Terminator. You know, where he's like melted down and really evil, um, playing the violin. So I wonder if that's uh, any relation to reality whatsoever, or if I'm just insane. Um, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, lots of good stuff for you next week, and I hope you can you can stay with us to catch that one great way to um, stay abreast of all of our content is to uh, subscribe to our podcast. And that way, whether you miss the show or not, it will appear in your iTunes, for example, in your iTunes uh, application. Uh, and it'll just sit there in your inbox, ready to go, wherever you want to listen to it, whether it's at home or in the gym or anywhere else, you can you can hear the show. So it's, uh, it's really cool. And you can find out, um, you can do that just from uh, going to our website, citr.ca. And uh, you'll see today's blog post. It says The Arts Report, March 9th, 2011. And at the bottom of there, you can click uh, subscribe. And uh, that's also where you can follow us on Twitter. Because um, if you're not down with Twitter yet, if you're not down with the tweeting, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, and it's definitely gaining traction. It's a cool way to um, sort of, um, for, for news stories to be passed around. That's one way links to be uh, passed around. It's a cool way to have your, you know, your favorite uh, comedians and, and celebrities on there, and you can see the sort of uh, clever witticisms they have uh, every day. And, of course, um, and the arts report, so you can know what's on an upcoming show or uh, what cool event there is to check out on a Friday or Saturday night. We'd like to give you a heads up, so if you're bored, you can you can do that. So uh, yeah, check that out. Now then, T42 Dance Project is actually two dancers and choreographers. It's Misato Inoue, I hope I got that right, and Felix Dumerel. He is uh, Swiss-French and she is Japanese. Add to that cultural mix uh, loosely defined roles and you have a recipe for cultural and artistic misunderstanding. But instead of wallowing in frustration, they took their circumstance and used it as inspiration for their latest project coming to the Vancouver International Dance Festival uh, next week. So we got connected on Skype. Yes, that's how modern we are. And we talked about uh, culture shock and the differences between Japanese and Swiss styles. But first, here is Misato and Felix talking about the origin of this piece. We wanted to work together, actually, do something, making a piece together. And then it was own uh, experience. And then we said, why don't we expose somehow, you know, what we're doing, how we are? And, yeah, something mm. like that, no? Well, actually, we, we filmed uh, our rehearsals. Uh, there was the idea to do really a totally different project mm. uh, <laughs> about a different subject. And uh, so we filmed, uh, and uh, we actually thought eh, those film sequences are actually much more interesting <laughs> than what we are trying to 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 reach. So uh, that how how it happened. And what was happening in those sequences that that was uh, kind of inspiring to you? It was hard, in a way. It was hard to collaborate in in some way because we had a kind of. Uh, how to say, not uh, clear role. We are dancers, but as a choreographer. Mm-hmm. And making a decision, you know, who is right, who is not right, artistically. Mm-hmm. There's not, not right or wrong in some way, mm-hmm. you know. So it was like a, not doing compromise, but the 
to make the best out of it. Is it possible, actually? And it's still the question, but the, yeah. Yeah, it's still the question if, yeah. is it possible to be creative, two people at the same time to create uh, to create something? Is this, it's still an open question to us, and maybe the, the choreography is a sort of uh, giving an answer or an idea. Or at least <laughs> an exploration of the question, yeah? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it started with the kind of like um, um, fun video that we just said, okay, before we went to bed, let's try something to interview each other, but totally unprepared. It just, we made it like a little note and uh, mm-hmm. asking the question. And we thought it was quite funny. And, <laughs> and yeah, so we started the piece with this and yeah. What's the biggest uh, sort of culture shock uh, for for the both of you in terms of um, working with you know for a, a Swiss person to, to work with a Japanese person and vice versa? What's what's the biggest uh, difference? Yeah, uh, for me it was like a, a Swiss French or French people are very um, focused on innovative you know innovative things and making a new vocabulary and then creative um, something new always it has to be something new and original and I think in Japan or Japanese people it's like go into the one detail and then go into deep this mm-hmm. moment and then you practice actually repeat you know till you get it right yeah it's about so, perfection yeah, exactly. Um, to reach the perfection and then think about it, but that that is um, that is a difference. Yes, we have. I mean, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting actually. The to to uh, well, we are like people from the twenty first century, and uh, sort of, <laughs> and uh, we we uh, we thought, okay, cliches don't really affect us, especially cultural uh, differences and uh, Misato has been very long time in Europe already mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, well, I've been traveling quite a lot so, so you think, okay, actually there shouldn't be so much differences but then you suddenly uh, yeah, you, you uh, by, by friction, by, by uh, uh, very spe- specific circumstances, you, you actually see there are differences mm-hmm. and uh, that's actually the nice thing about it as well, that there are differences uh, and at, at the end of it, there's a certain respect even though there are differences. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because yeah, like you say, we we live in a time where we like to think it's everything is globalized, everything is the the, the yeah. same. There's a Starbucks in every country now, <laughs> so we think everything's uh, everything's yeah. the same. And then I guess you discover that there are differences, but that's that's not a bad thing, is it? No, no, I think it have to deal with it. I think we still, as long as you have a respect mm-hmm. and that it works somehow. But I think yeah, mm-hmm. respect. And understanding, I mean, to get to know what the others are doing, which way, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have been once to Japan, you suddenly start to understand why it is so focused on these details. I mean, if you look at the whole uh, cultural history, uh, and it is something you can't really experience unless you've been there or you met Japanese people. I mean, for us, uh, like uh, Western cultures. But you know, it's not necessarily about uh, Japan or Fran- French people. It's about a different culture. You know, how to deal with yeah, a different it, it background. Can, yeah, it can be any other other differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah other mm-hmm. cultural different. Mm-hmm. 
And that's um, Misato and Felix talking about uh, T42, which is coming to the Vancouver International Dance Festival from March the 15th until the 17th. And it's going to be starting at 7 p.m. And this is at the Blends Community Coffee, Blends Coffee Community Stage in the Exhibition Hall at the Roundhouse. And guess what? It is free. Yes, it is free uh, with a one-time $3 VIDF membership. And you can get information on this show and the membership and all the other shows uh, at vidf.ca, uh, vidf.ca, as well as citr.ca uh, has information for you as well. So check that out. Uh, I, I really like that idea, um, that kind of reminder of how, it, not just the Swiss French, but I think um, all Western artists, we're all very focused on innovation. We're all very focused on how to tell this story differently or how to do... Uh, something artistically in a new way that hasn't been done before, and that seems to be our emphasis. And it's—I I think it's good to be reminded that there's there's other ways of looking at things, and that there's value in uh, not so much reinventing the wheel, but perhaps um, getting into a sort of zone, getting doing something so perfectly—you know, perfectly, whatever that means to you—but getting it so right that you perhaps enter, you know, a certain um, zen. Zone. Am I making any sense? I don't know. But I think I think there's value in in not just looking at uh, let's be really innovative, you know, because uh, sometimes that can be a little flaky. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> All right. So the British Columbians uh, assembled their first collection of songs in a shack in Port Moody. Since then, they've been honing their blues rock sound, including put, putting together uh, the final touches on their second album, expected around May of this year. Uh, they're playing a show at the Cobalt on Friday, and they came to our studios here at CITR for an interview as well as an acoustic performance. So I started by asking uh, Dave Morin, uh, Gerard Knox, and Owen Connell about whether, with a name like the British Columbians, they were trying to capture the essential sound of BC. The short answer is no. No. <laughs> no. We should get that clear. No. We should get that clear. That's, that's, I mean, any, and anyone who'd like to try, good luck. I, you know, and, and, and go ahead, enjoy. Um, no, the name, the name really, um, uh, um, I don't know. We try to, I guess, like anything else, it's about context, of course. Um, but for us, we weren't really planning on, uh, um, I think we were surprised by the reaction that we got from mm -hmm. a lot of people. Some people really loved it and thought, oh, that's great. And of course, there were others that thought, how dare you? And Really? So what yeah. kind of reactions do you get? Like, yeah, yeah, and some people think, you know, even like, oh, how original, the British Columbians, yes. And guess what? Yeah, They're from British that. Columbia. Yeah. It's like, well, so, wow, that was really hard yeah. to do. Or um, or the the British Columbians, really? You're trying to be the British Columbians? No. <laughs> uh, right, how presumptuous. Yeah, how presumptuous. yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and really, it comes from our love of bands like Chicago and... Uh, Chilliwack. Chilliwack, Chilliwack yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now see, that makes sense because... Kansas, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't... Well. Kansas, <laughs> yeah. No, but that make, makes more sense in the sense of, of blues being kind of uh, down-to-earth, for lack of a better term, and, and being kind of, uh, you know... With, with feet tapping on the ground and, and a sense of, of being connected to, to... Yeah, I guess, I mean, I mean, it's folk music, really. Yeah. It's really what it is. I mean, I'm sure that's a pretty uh, uh, um, tenuous link to, you know, for a lot of people that would hear us and not necessarily think 
folk music. But yeah. I mean, our 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 first record that we made, the people that the five people that actually know and care about our band, <laughs> you know, they I think one of the things that they really enjoy about it is the fact that we are kind of all over the map in terms of the styles that are that are on there. I mean, there's there's some stuff that's 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 very much very you know uh, folk uh, sound to what we do, and then of course some blues, but then there's of course more uh, um, aggressive kind of sounding things as well. Um, so. I don't know. I guess going back to just like the name, the British Columbians, you know, we really just sort of um, were trying to think of something that uh, evoked the kind of feeling that we were trying to sort of capture with the music that we made. And and uh, and that seemed as good a name as any, really. Well, you've got some good sort of mythology attached to that name. Um, I read that you put your music, when you came together as a band, you, you, you put it together in a rundown shack in Port Moody. What could be more <laughs> British Columbian than that? Well, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is, that, is that true? Yeah, absolutely true, yeah. It is. That's where Dave and I started playing with... Uh, um, uh, pretty much a, 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 an old house that's like over a hundred years old, and in the basement. And the hmm. uh, it's a um, I don't know. I mean, we were pretty. Uh, um, I, uh, my my best friend actually uh, lived there, and and we would have these great parties and these these great Saturday night sort of legendary. Um, uh, uh, parties, I guess, where we would play till like you know the wee hours yeah. of the morning jam yeah. session yeah exactly and so that's where you know i think dave and i really started playing for the first time was i think on the front porch of that house and uh you know it's just a great sort of like you know the romance is something like yeah, big pink or something like the band's playing in that i mean we didn't live in the house but we made a lot of music in that house and uh and uh so that's that's where Dave and I really started getting together and, and playing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So now uh, you're working on your second album, and that's that's coming together um, in the next few months. Um, do you, are you following a similar path with a lot of uh, late night jam <laughs> sessions, or what's what's different this time around? Mm. Well, it's funny. I think that that it, it's it's very much a continuation of the first album in the sense that our first album, you know, was almost you know, uh, schizophrenic in that there was all of these different songs feeling all of these different moods and styles mm-hmm. on the on it. And this one is, is like that again, where every song, um, like I, I can already tell when we're going to try to sequence the track listing and, and figure out when we, you know, when we finally get it pressed, like what are the order of these songs going to be? It's already going to be tough because they're so... Uh, varied and different, and we go mm-hmm. to a lot of uh, different places than we did on the first record. So I think people are going to have a really hard time actually um, sort of labeling yeah, this or tagging it this down, as like yeah. a blues rock kind of, uh, which might be a record. good thing. Yeah. Maybe I think there's. I think Maybe. with this album, we've finally started to. Well, since playing together, because the first album was basically written and recorded before there was a band. We, we wrote it, recorded it, and then put a band together and started playing and actually figuring out what we really did musically as a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's still, through you know, through playing the first album and through the second album, there's now sort of more of a sound and actual... I think there's a through sound that actually does tie all mm-hmm. of these new songs together in some 
strange way. That's what a lot of people <laughs> that have heard the stuff so far have said. But well, it sounds like you guys. And it's like all right, because the songs are all. I mean, they're not. They're pretty different, I guess they are. They are. Yeah. I. I mean, I think it's. But they work. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a very eclectic album. It's yeah. it's very eclectic, and I like the progression of just where we're going with the band and with the sound of what we're doing. It's. Uh, um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. Actually, really proud of what we've done. So I can't wait for people to hear it. It's going to be cool. And those are the British Columbians, and they are coming to the Cobalt on March 11th. That's a Friday. And you can get tickets uh, through Zulu Records, ZuluRecords.com, and Redcat Records, Redcat.ca, and Neptune Records, Neptune, Tune with double O's.com. Um, and you can also get more information from our website, CITR.ca, uh, including the Facebook event page. And uh, all right, without further ado, let's hear a song from the British Columbians. This one is called Broke and Busted.
News 101. Right here on News 101. Right here on News 101. What motivated you to become a candidate in the provincial election? The media portrayal of last week's protest that resulted in polarizing images of black-clad activists taking to the streets. He was just explaining to us the reason why they wanted to show this film on campus. The official stance is that we are for the Olympics. News 101 reporter Brad Pepping was there. By discriminating against homeless people in Vancouver, there's a disproportionate impact on Aboriginal people as well as people with disabilities. I was pretty outraged. I mean, it's, it is outrageous. In-depth coverage from an alternative perspective. News 101 is Vancouver's only live, volunteer-produced student and community newscast, bringing you local, national, and international news from an alternative perspective. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 5 p.m. right here on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Live streaming and podcasts are available online at citr.ca. Hey, you're listening to the Arts Report, and just before that break, we heard Broke and Busted from the British Columbians, and man, that sounded awesome. That was just an acoustic um, performance. That was just two guitars and um, Owen hitting the uh, guitar case for percussion. That's it, and it sounded amazing. So uh, if you want to check them out, they'll be at the Cobalt on March 11th. That's Friday because uh, they're great. Okay, we have one more feature for you, and that is about uh, Spike and Mike, which is a collection of short animated films which annually tour theaters, film festivals, and college campuses in North America. And they were founded in 1977 by Craig Spike Decker and Mike Gribble. Spike studied physics in college, but his love of animation has taken his life down an obviously different road. Today, the sick and twisted festival of animation is like a cultural gathering, really, bringing animation enthusiasts together, but also serving as a launching pad for some of the most important animators in the world. Um, From Tim Burton to Mike Judge. Uh, they they got their start at Sick and Twisted. Uh, I asked, uh, I talked to Spike himself and asked him what it is about animation that is so rewarding to him. Uh, also about how you put together a lineup of so many different kinds of short uh, animation films. But first, I asked him what's new and unique about the Rio Theater presentation of the festival. There's several things for this particular show at the Rio is. Um we made a point of including um, several Vancouver animators. Mm-hmm. So that's there's a couple things I wanted to point out. Um, three in particular highlights. One is the Vancouver animators, Marv Newland, who did Bambi Meets Godzilla, Danny Andanucci, Lupo the Butcher, and Ed Ed Nettie, uh, their films. And then we have a uh, another film from Vancouver, The Bet, and possibly one more. There's so many that's off the top of my head, but so focus on that. Also focus on, um, there's a film called Tiny Hats and Pubertina, and these are the first girl girlmation animations we've had in Sick and Twisted in a long time. We don't get enough animation from, from women mm-hmm. in the animation field, so it's exciting to us to have submissions for girls, so that's something else we're focusing on. In, in the show. You know, you've been doing this for a long time and you started out uh, you know, studying you know, physics and, uh, and now have, you, know, you have this great love for animations. And I wonder, what is it about this, this medium that is so rewarding? Uh, it's just seeing all, like looking at this, I don't, there's such a vast array of 
films in this particular show, and it's so diverse mm-hmm. that it addresses the point you made up in, in that it's endless of what comes from animation, what keeps this alive and vibrant, in that with Spike and Mike and Sick and Twisted and the other show that we do, is sometimes people forget the fact that even though we've been around for for a while, it's new people, new talent, all ages, all types, like I said earlier, male, female, now more females, more countries represented, and it keeps evolving, keeps fresh and new, and that's what's so exciting. It's unlimited what you can do with animation. And um, seeing it, seeing these films on the screen at the Rio, at their environment, you know, they're they're pretty energetic out there and, and pretty lively bunch. And see the films, and we've always promoted this and got into this as sort of an alternative cultural event mm-hmm. and something that's fun and artistic. And they're personally, I like short films, oddly enough, better than feature films because there's so much these people put in in a three minute short. Right. And now with all the the world of digital delivery systems. The attention span of people is getting shorter. But <laughs> so it fits that attention span better. Short. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I wanted to ask you about sort of the, the Internet age and, and how, how it has changed, um, you know, what you're seeing from year to year. Um, you know, technology is certainly one thing. But um, what are you what are you noticing as you know as as the the years go by? I mean, a lot of these things can now be available anywhere, but I, I imagine it's still the festival is still a kind of good lightning rod. Yeah, it has. I mean, I won't go into a lot of it, but it's just a lot of history in our shows. It gives people one to see it, like I said, in the environment of this theater. You can drink and watch the films. You can see it on the big screen with other people. Yeah. Plus, we have this talent and energy and time to collect these films from around the world and put them together. Sure, you could spend hours on the internet and try to find them and collect them, etc. Mm-hmm. But we have a great history of premiering so many great films, and that's what people are going to see this weekend is new talent, just in the same way the first time they saw the first Beavis and Butthead uh, the first films, a lot of people don't know this, the first films from Andrew Stanton, who did Nemo, Pete mm-hmm. Doctor, who did Monsters, John Lasseter, Bill Plimpton, Wallace and Gromit, uh, were the first to theatrically show South Park. Um, mm-hmm. So with that being said, here's this, this group of new talent and new people, and it's their opportunity to see these great films and we we did his film uh, when he was a teenager with Tim Burton with Vincent right some of his first public appearances so this parallels that and that's the history of the kind of quality of what we we pick and and uh, we put together this is truly one hell of a diverse show here I mean mm-hmm. just looking at the lineup here and it's uh, so what do you what do you look for I mean when there's so much so much variety um, I mean, it's it's basically impossible to kind of organize it by by theme or anything like that, right? So, so what what do you look for when you when you are sort of curating? The first bottom line criteria is um, humor. Absolutely, humor has always been been the bottom line. Okay, and um, accessibility. Right, so it can't be so weird and out of it that it just has no sort of cohesion. It has to be 
yeah, accessible. Accessible and humor. Uh, it, when we first started Sick and Twisted, it was just shock value and gross out. <laughs> it was such a contrast because the history of animation and what we'd run into. The first years Mike and I ever did this, the stigma we ran into, we'd give people flyers. Like now I think Alex and the crew have been flyering all over Vancouver, hopefully. And um, people would go, oh, what is it? Like cartoons, like Bugs Bunny, like Disney, Mickey Mouse, you know. And it took us years to, to show that, one, we created a market where it was alternative animation could be applied to adults. And it also shows that some of these people spend years in the making to make a five-minute short film and just thousands of renderings. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, several films, uh, you know, just one of the films we premiered, Let's Pollute, was just nominated for the Oscars this year. So that's a lot of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's real, it's real cutting-edge stuff, and, and we look forward to, uh, to its arrival in, uh, in Vancouver. Thanks so much for taking a, a few minutes to tell us about it. Okay, thanks for having me. And that's Craig Spike Decker from Spike and Mike's uh, Twisted, Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation. And uh, this one is coming March 10th. That's tomorrow, Thursday. And March 11th, uh, midnight showings are coming at you on those days. Uh, Thursday and Friday, midnight showings. After that, you can check out all kinds of, uh, of showings. Uh, that is to say, it will be running at multiple times, 4.27 p.m., 9.30 p.m. But uh, if you want to get more information, you can go to riotheater.ca and, um, and get uh, a, f- a little bit more information on how and where and when to check that out. Um, also on this website, you can see that Rio's doing uh, Friday uh, midnight screenings all month long. And of course, uh, other than Spike and Mike on the 11th, there's Battle Royale on March 18th and the Rocky Horror Picture Show on March the 25th. And if you're in costume for the Rocky Horror Picture Show or for sick, uh, uh, Spike and Mike's Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation, you can get in for eight or seven dollars uh if you're not in costume it is 10 bucks all right so that is our show for this week um i want to thank uh anna and Jeannie for helping to make this week's show uh possible 